so many people just want to be seen and want want to have someone look at them and, and listen to them um, and, and, and perhaps understand them a little bit. Um, and that's I hope I think what we what we do really well on the show. When you just put out good energy and you you open yourself up to new people and new opportunities, like stuff stuff happens. And I thought, wow, I, I thought here I am thinking I'm this young hotshot who's going to come and run some sub three marathon. I've, I've obviously given up on that at this point, but here's this woman that's just crushing it, and yeah. and she's blind, and yeah. and it it really kind of reset my understanding of what long distance running is i'm joshua potts mr possible always with the brother with the same mother aaron potts super hot potts and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners every single two black two go let's go let's go turn up This summer, bro, 2,000 of the world's best track and field athletes are going to be competing at the first ever World Athletics Championships on U.S. soil. And like oh. a preparation and leading up to like this world event, first time in Eugene. Like, Neve, I want you there. I, I we yeah, need when, you when, there. When and where is that? This is happening July 15th through the 24th at Hayward Field in Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. Get oh, your cool. tickets, worldchampionshipsoregon22.com. And first, I got to ask you, though, as we go through our next stop, Oregon segment, like, bro, have you been to like a track meet since you've like got back into running and everything? No, no, I, ha I mean, no, actually, I, now that you mentioned, I haven't. But, but on I think May twentieth, there's like a a celebrity mile thing here at in the city, in New York City. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but I I'm, I think I'm signed up to run that mile, and I have this cool guy who's gonna help train me. I think that yeah. is the trials and miles at, at Ithaca oh. Stadium. Oh, oh yeah, it, Icon Stadium, right? Icon, Icon. Ithaca. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ithaca. yeah. Icon. No, that Icon. Funny. Ithaca. It's funny. So since we're talking about the mile, I was watching um, Winning Time. Have you guys been watching? I love that, that show. Right. Yeah. So in the most oh, recent yeah. episode, I don't know if you're up to date or not, but I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, but the episode starts with this incredible story about the first person to run the sub four minute mile. Do you guys know yeah. about this guy? Roger yeah, Bannister. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't. I didn't know about it. I mean, uh, and I just think it was so cool that, that he, you know, back in what was it? I don't remember. Oh, 1954. This this 25 year old med student who was just an amateur runner just decided he wanted to try and run a four minute mile. And up until then, for thousands of years, because running's been around obviously since you know people were being hunted by animals, um, no one thought it was possible. Everyone just thought, no, it can't be done too fast humans can't run that fast and then this guy just decided he was gonna do it and he did and then after that everyone started running four minute miles because yeah. they realized oh i can do that too anyway so i just thought that was a really cool story and and gave me sort of a new perspective on on setting goals and and pushing yourself to, to do, you know, because you know, I'm obviously not going to set any records in, uh, in running, but I can certainly do, set my own records um, for myself. So I, I'm excited now, having watched that last night, to sort of gear up for this mile coming up. So going off of that story, too, we always like to ask this as well, like, what is someone like Joshua and I, we do the podcast, we, we talk about running all the time. How do we get someone like you who's like new to running and like the marathon, you're about to go run the smile. Like, how do we get you into track and field? Cause like, that's a, like Roger Bannister is an incredible story, but a lot of people don't even know that the world championships are here in Eugene. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you brought it up because I probably would love to go to track and field events and, and possibly also compete. We're gonna need you in Gene. I'm manifesting you being Eugene this summer. Early in the morning, we set up, we recording, but I, I had to get that out. I had to get that out because- The hype's bro, real. We're the transformation of the show right now with our guest today, bro. No, I think coming into 2022, we were talking about like, we want to do, we want to do our thing, regular two black runners, how we really do. But like, 
at the end of the day, we just two black runners. And I don't think that limits us to really anything. And I, I think the way that we want to connect this podcast in the future and the big picture of this podcast is be able to just get anybody. And I feel like running is one of the biggest, not not one of the biggest sports. It, it's the biggest sport ever. It's the true essence of sport. Like that's, that's how I like this look at it. And like anybody can connect to it. And I feel like that's what it is with our guest today. Aaron, I think this is going to be special, to be honest. I, that's how I feel about it. Definitely going to be special. It's going to, you know, maybe change the way some people perceive what we do here. But like you said, at the end of the day, we're just two black runners having uh, thoughtful conversations. You know what I'm saying? Not for real, though. But let's get into it. Let's get into it, bro. You guys may. Well, you guys already know about the title. You feel me? You know who's coming on the podcast. We got the catfish guy. The dude was the runner-up at Dancing with the Stars, bro. He got the feet, too, the twinkle toes. You know what I mean? He has a sub-three-hour marathon, though. This man is a beast. Neve Shulman is on the podcast, on Two Black Runners. I never thought this would really happen in my life. Like, if you would have told me two years ago we were doing a, <laughs> an interview with Neve, I, I would have not believed you. But, hey, we're here. Neve, how's it going? Like, this is, this is crazy for us. What's up? All right. Good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say the same, Joshua. I wouldn't ex- I wouldn't have expected to have uh Neve as a as a guest, but I feel like there are some things, you know, that we have in com- we have in common after we went through your life and everything that I'm excited to kind of ask you about. But first off, you know, we just saw one of your kiddos in here off the cuff too. Like, what's it like for you being an American film producer? host of catfish like runner how do you how do you balance doing so many different things yeah i mean we've got three kids now um which keeps us pretty busy um and you know when i'm not filming the show uh and traveling i'm home uh, you know really kind of helping take take care of the kids whether it's dropping them off at school watching the baby picking them up after school stuff you know there's a million things to do every day and then you know just washing dishes and doing laundry in between, but um, it it's tough, you know. I, I I if 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 running is your favorite thing to do and you want to do it every day, then I would say having kids makes that a little harder. Um, yeah. So I don't get to run as much as I I would like to. Although this morning uh, I I got a, a nice run in, beautiful day. I dropped the kids off at school. Um, and squeeze run in between uh, that and doing this. So uh, it's, it's doable. It just takes a lot more finagling and, and planning to, to get out there. Well, yeah, well, if you, if you really love something, like you'll find time to do it, you know, like you'll figure out and try and get that in. But how, how far did you run this morning? And with that, right. like in play, are, are you training for something too right now? Trying to uh, yeah, for so a race or anything? Today I ran like a, uh, just under seven miles. So not nothing crazy. Um, but I hadn't run in like, I guess almost two weeks now. Um, so, you know, it's starting to feel a little bad about it. You know, I mean, I don't know how often you guys run, but I, I, I like to run at least once a week, if not, if not two or three times, but it's just, it's just been tough lately. Um, we went on a little trip, I've been traveling for work, the weather, if it's rain, if it's windy and rainy, you know, it's like the kids are sick. It's just so many, so many things getting in your way every day. But, um, but today was a good run. I got out there, felt good. Um, I'm not training for anything really specifically. I do have the, um, I think the Brooklyn half marathon I think is coming up. And then of course, you know, the, I run the New York city marathon every, every year. So I've always kind of got my sights set on that. And I'd like to do an, I'd like to do another sub three. Um, I know it's in there and I'd love to beat my previous time. So that's sort of always tempting me. I think it's interesting. You say that like, this is your first time. Like it's, it's hard to like fit everything in and like you try to get the run once a week. I feel like for me and Aaron, this is really our first time in our lives where like uh, we, we can't really run every single day. Cause like I was telling you off wax, like we both ran in college and everything. And we did the perfect, we tried, well, Aaron was trying to become professional. I just ran in college, but like now that I'm working at school, I'm doing school, I'm like coaching and like doing this, trying to do this more and more. I don't have like the, like my, my first time running in like three weeks was yesterday. I only did three miles. I didn't do seven for me. I could have done seven, you know, like don't, don't, 
I could have done seven. <laughs> for you, but I only did three. So I was like, let me just get a quick three in. You know, my foot was kind of hurting. But uh, yeah, I was all like, I think it's 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 weird that now I finally feel like that same feeling of like feeling bad when like at a time we felt like obligated in the sense, Aaron, like I have to get a yeah. run in every single day, you know? I'm at a point where I don't feel bad. It's just like, <laughs> well, it's like, I don't feel bad, but I'm like, I need to exercise. I need right. to well, exercise. That's, right. That's, I think what, what happens to me is like, if I'm not running pretty consistently, I start to feel out of shape. I just don't like the way my body feels. And also, you know, I've got a really solid foundation of fitness. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I can still having not run in, in two weeks, go out and do six and a half miles at a, you know, six forty-eight yeah. or six fifty pace, but like, it's a little tough. I, you know, and I don't like that. I want to, I want to maintain that, that fitness, um, so that I can build on it and get faster and stronger. Um, so it, you know, I, I know what you guys mean though, about wanting to get out there more often. That's kind of legit though. Like being able two weeks off, six forty. Like that's that's pretty legit. Like what was your? I don't think you didn't like run like in high school or anything like that. So what did like what start off? What did you first start doing? Was like your favorite activity as like a kid to kind of just like get in shape? Were you always kind of athletic or that came? Yeah, later? yeah. I mean, I you know I I uh, grew up a sort of skinny, pretty short white kid in New York City. So like sports was not exactly a big part of my life. Um, the way it would be at a high school in the suburbs, you know, with yeah. a real track and field team and a real, you know, football team. Like we didn't have any of that. I, you know, we, we had a little gym with a basketball court. Um, but I always liked sports. I was very competitive. And I remember, you know, for, for PE class, once a year, you had to run a mile around mm-hmm. the, the reservoir in Central Park. And I always remember it was usually me and, um, there's one other kid, Je- uh, Jeff, what was his last name? Man, I can't remember. But he, we were always like the fastest people. And I always kind of thought that was cool that I was, I guess, sort of fast. I don't remember how fast, but whatever. Um, and, you know, I played sports in summer camp and stuff like that. But it wasn't until I think I was like 29, 28, 29, that a friend of mine, who you guys probably know, Casey Neistat, he's a, like a big blogger. Yeah, he, yeah. I, was, I was spending the weekend at his house in Connecticut, and he was really into um, triathlons at that time and had, had done the Ironman and all of it. Um, and there was like a little local, uh, uh, what do they call it? Like a sprint triathlon. I think it's like mm-hmm, a, yeah. I don't know how long the swim is, but then it's like a 17 mile bike ride and then a 5k at the end or something like that. Um, and so he said, Hey, Neve, you should do this with me. You know, come on, it'll be fun. Uh, so I borrowed a pair of sneakers and his neighbor's bicycle and I did it. And it was tough, the swimming, especially, because I, that, I mean, that's a whole different level of fitness, but it was really fun. I, it was the first time I had done like a big group fitness activity, a race, yeah. uh, and it kind of got hooked and I thought, okay, you know, I could, I could get into this. So I decided, okay, let me see if I can run the New York city marathon. My dad ran it when he was in his thirties. He was always a runner at, at, when I was a kid. Um, always loved talking about running. He always used to take me to the finish line of the marathon. We'd sit in the stands and watch the runners, you know, come through. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to sign up for the New York City Marathon. And, I, and if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in, in under three hours like my dad did. Um, and I didn't realize how hard, hard that was. Uh, you know, that's like a really tough benchmark. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was, a, it was a great goal. And it took me, you know, three marathons to get there. Um, but I got it and it was awesome. And, uh, and it sort of really got me hooked into long distance running and, and marathons. Man, I almost like, I think that's crazy that you just went out and just did a triathlon. Casually. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. I definitely think that's a great indicator that you can do a marathon. How did that first marathon feel in comparison to the first try that you just randomly did? Um, well, I remember, the swim again, the swimming, the fir- you know, the first event is always, I think a swim. And that was so hard and took me, I think I was swimming for like 40 minutes, which is crazy because most people I think do it in like 15 or 20. So I was just out there like backstroking, just, tr- just trying not to you know, hyperventilate. But, um, I, I remember, you know, I don't know. I I'm feeling, I think at the end tired, but like excited, 
that I had finished. And, and, you know, the biking was pretty easy for me having been a cyclist kind of in my younger years and riding my bike my whole life around the city. And, um, and then the run went okay. And I, I remember just thinking that was super fun. And then after my first marathon, I, I was not, I mean, I was definitely more exhausted because, you know, the difference of whatever, I mean, running for three and a half hours um, was a lot longer than I'd ever done anything. Um, so I was definitely wiped out after my first marathon. And, and I think also a bit disappointed um, that it was as hard as it was. Cause I, I think I was a little cocky and that was sort of yeah. the first, first time I really got humbled uh, and realized that, okay, you know, even though I can run fast and I've done some half marathons, like this is a, this is a different beast. Um, so it was a good, it was a good experience. I think it's interesting that you bring in the word humble. I want to get in this a little bit uh, later, but I think everyone already knows that you're the catfish guy. Most people know what catfish is. Like, I don't need to explain to them what the show is and everything like that. Like, it was a global phenomenon. But I really feel like with running, it's easy to be humbled in the sport. Like, even without even doing a marathon, just going out there and saying, like, I'm going to do 12 miles today at 640 pace. And then you get the mile, you get the mile eight. And then, like, your stomach, your stomach starts rumbling. You feel me? Like that can humble you for sure. But just like prepping for the show and like thinking about Catfish uh, before this like interview, I feel like, and especially like the movie Catfish as well that you were in that, that first really kicked it all off. Like you, in a sense, like you were like not humbled in the sense, but I feel like humble, a nice cousin to that is like, in order like to be humbled after that, you get kind of like empathy in a way. And I feel like you always showed a lot of care and empathy. And I feel like those are things that kind of really derive and you can get from like distance running, like distance running can teach you all those characteristics of like empathy, but being humble and just like having that type of care too, because going through that by yourself is such a intimate experience. Cause like, even if you have people around you, like that's right. really just you going through that hard work. So what are some of the things that like distance running has sort of taught you in a sense that's helped you like through now and through your life? Feel like, yeah, well, the, the, my first real, you know, meaningful, I think experience with, with my marathon running was, was when I ran my first marathon. Um, and I, I'll never forget. I was coming down fifth Avenue. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the New York city marathon course, but at fifth Avenue yeah. and 124th street, there's a park, there's a little park called Marcus Garvey park. So you have to turn, you have to take a quick right turn and then another left and you go down the side of this park for four blocks. Uh, and so right at around 121st street, let's call it. Um, it's probably mile 20 or 21. So everyone's starting to really feel, feel it. And I certainly was. And I remember I heard some kind of calls or calling coming from behind me. And it was, uh, some people sort of saying, you know, what well, heads up on your right, on your right. And so clearly there was someone coming and they get up next to me and I see that it's two guides um, with a blind woman who must've been in her fifties and she just flies past me. Wow. And I thought, wow, I, I thought here I am thinking I'm this young hotshot who's going to come and run some sub three marathon. I've obviously given up on that at this point, but here's this woman that's just crushing it and, yeah. and she's blind. And, yeah. and it, it really kind of reset my understanding of what long distance running is because, you know, it's, it's almost an eye roll to say it, but you know, there are sprints and, and then there are marathons in life and, and life is a, a marathon. And so if you really want to set a goal, you have to, you have to give yourself time to, to, to achieve it responsibly. And it's going to, and do the right and do the work. Right. Cause like, I kind of thought a little bit foolishly, like, Oh, I'll, you know, I'll do some light training and I'm young and I'm in shape. I should be no problem. Mm -hmm. um, and what I realized and have since is that it doesn't matter who you are, how good a shape you are in. There's no cheating. There's no shortcut. Um, there's no sprinting the marathon. Uh, you have to really, take your time, put in the work, um, and be patient. Uh, and that's hard sometimes in life, but it took me, you know, and then I, I ended up doing the work and 
three, it took me three years. Um, and one of those years I had a real setback cause I got injured cause I was training too hard and I wasn't taking good enough care of my body, stretching, yeah. physical therapy. So like I had to sort of start over cause in, it was September. I was in the best shape I'd been. I was ready to do it. And then I got injured. So I couldn't run that year. So the following year, I really took my time. I really did the PT and the stretching and the self-care and the, like, and I, you know, it, again, it humbled me again. You know, like I, I thought you could just do one side of the work and then I learned you have to do all of the sides, you know, like, yeah. so it, it's, it's a good, you know, sort of metaphor for anything you want to do in life. Um, there's no cheating. There's no, there's no shortcuts. You have to really do the work. Do you feel like, um, and like everything you're saying is so true, especially about distance training, but do you feel like, uh, training for those marathons, like, did that keep you honest, just like in your normal day's work with whatever you're doing with filmmaking, with like even like your relationships, like in life? Do you feel like it kind of like car carried over? It's kind of like almost like training, training your mind in a way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a, a really important for it, just for me. I, I know that there, there, there are a few things in in my life that I've discovered that I care about and like doing and, and I'm passionate about. Um, running obviously being one of them and, and probably the, the most recent of them. Um, and so I think what I've learned from my you know, relatively new interest in, in distance running is you're not going to be in a position to serve yourself or anyone around you or your job or your kids if you're not also serving yourself and even though i i know at times even for me that sounds sort of selfish i think for you know the the, the importance that i place on my fitness and and my doing these group runs and having the community of friends in in the running world brings me so much um, happiness and, and, you know, physical wellness that I think it's taught me to, to then sort of take that same energy and, and, and apply it to all the things in my life. Because if, if I'm running and I'm feeling good and I'm, and I'm training for a race and I'm excited, like that then bleeds over and keeps me happy, you know, keeps me happy throughout all these other things. So I have to then apply that same energy and effort and kind of look at each thing in my life as something that needs the same amount of preparation and, and goal setting and kind of just informs my behavior in other aspects of my life. That's, I think that's good. That was good. I, I think that's, that's really good. And I, that's the kind of conversation like with me trying to get back into running just a little bit, just the three miles, you feel me? That's kind of conversation that I was having. Cause I've been in the place of just being all like, I, I've just got done. This is my first year not running competitively since I was five years old. Wow. And like, that was a little bit of like, um, kind of just like weird like you know yeah. like dang like I, I miss running I wish I was collegiately running right now and I see like my friends like doing well at conference and everything like shout out to them they, they killing it but what I was just your, thought, like, what were your events my event was the eight and the 15 then I did oh. I did a little bit of cross country but never liked cross for me. right so you're not not as much of a distance runner no I'll do distance though I do distance like oh, I've right. done yeah I've done 16 but no I'm not like running I'm not competing and I'm not right. competing though 5K or 10K. That's that's definitely not me. You know what I mean? But yeah. a marathon will definitely happen one day. But those um, definitely like now trying to start like running again is definitely for the first time. It's really like just for myself in a way, and just like trying to have that mental break like in the morning or the evening or like how you guys were talking about like just the exercise that really comes with right. that. that that's, a, that's important to have, like that, that can keep you sane in a way. Definitely. I really think too, like, like, yeah, cause I'm, I'm the older brother. So I've already been like dealing with that transformation of what is my relationship with, with running. And I think it's everything you said, Neve, like it's for myself, like it's for my, it's for myself to take care of myself, but also like, for me, it's a lot of it too, just keeping myself disciplined. And it keeps me in like a good routine, you know, mm -hmm. like everyone, they say, do something hard, like once a day, you know? So it's just like, I'm not getting, not getting too comfortable, you know? So always like 
yeah, like after two weeks, I'm like, shoot, like I need to go do something, bro. Cause I cannot just be working all day and not doing, doing nothing. Um, but also before we get deeper into catfish too, we want to hear more about like your background and, um, things like that. We knew you grew up in New York and I was, I was just interested like in your, your name. Cause I saw how you spelled, I usually spell, see it spelled in EV, but then I saw how you spelled it with the Y A in the front. Um, right. Where yeah, does so your name my, come from? Yeah, my full name is Yaniv, mm. um, which is a Hebrew name. Um, my parents are New Yorkers, but they lived in Israel for a period of time before my brother and I were born. And so they gave us both sort of very Israeli names, uh, Yaniv and Ariel. Um, but since I was a little kid, everyone just sort of called me Neev. And, uh, and so it's kind of just been Neev since I was like three. Um, a few, a few, you know, like if you really know me, if you, you know, if you're either you're my family or you went to like, you know, grade school with me, you might call me, you know, but other than that, no one really does. Um, so, so that's my, that's the story of my name. Um, and then wait, there was two, it was a two part question. What was the other? No, I just wanted to know your background, but. Oh, right. right. Yeah. So my background is, yeah, basically, um, I, I, you know, I'm kind of a what is it my parents my grandparents were my great-grandparents born in new york oh dang maybe cool. i mean i can't remember from a third or fourth generation sort of new yorker um and uh i've always lived here um i spend a lot of time in la because that's where production on catfish is but um this is this is my city i love it here uh and and honestly you know one of the things that i love most about new york um is I can go for a run, which I just did this morning, and see dozens and dozens of other people running. And, and it's not like I'm running on a beautiful path through a park. Yeah. I'm running down busy sidewalks and streets and over bridges, and there's still people out running. In LA, I go for a run in beautiful Beverly Hills. I don't live in Beverly Hills, but I'll, I'll go there for a run. And I won't see anyone. There's just no, there's just, I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some secret running track I don't know about, but New York just has that intense energy that I don't care if it's 30 degrees and snowing or 90 degrees and rain, like people move here. Everybody wants to be moving all the time. Um, and I love that. And, and that's sort of a big part of who I am. I, I always need to be moving, doing, um, whether it's running or riding, I got, you know, I got my e-bike. I'm always zipping around town. Like I just, I need like, like a yeah. shark, right? I just need to be moving. I love that. We went to New York. Uh, we went to the past New York City Marathon. Um, that was our first time ever to New York. First wow. time ever at like a big marathon like that. And it, the energy was next level. Like I love I loved the go-getter, just energy like in the air um, of New York. And yeah, like you're saying, like out in Cal we're in California and it, is, it depends on where you live. But like, well, yeah, there's a lot of people who do a lot of outdoor activities. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But like, right. If you live along the ocean, you'll you, yeah. there's people running up and down. Sure. But like, it doesn't have the same intensity. I didn't expect to see that running culture being so big, like mm -hmm. with all the running crews and stuff out yeah. there in New York. Like I didn't, I didn't expect that to be in New York being that. I, I was just like, where do you go to run? That's what I thought at first about New York. I was like, where do people go to run? But people right. just run the street. I mean, you guys have Central, yeah, Central Park. Park, Prospect Park. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah. there's, you know, they're, they're getting better. There's, they're, they're, they're finally like connecting and finishing a lot of the sort of running paths up and down the rivers now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's like I, for me to go for a, a 10 mile run, um, you know, I'm running down, up and down streets. I've got to cross the bridge and then go through Chinatown and come back over the Manhattan bridge and come through William. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It, it is, it is kind of insane. Um, but it's also really fun and every run is different and every block, you know, you've got 10 different things you got to watch out for a pedestrian, a cyclist, someone opening their car door, a truck backing up a bus. This is like, it's, it's a, it's a real, you know, obstacle course every, every day. No, that's why I think it's really cool about running in New York. Cause I did a little bit more of the running than Aaron when we were out there. I even did the avid dash to the finish, like oh, 5K. Cool. I did pretty good too. I, I placed what I placed, I placed like 
60 something you feel me I, I did wow. I did my thing I did my thing feel me but like I did that and I'm like running down I can't remember what street it was but the street with like all the hotels and stuff I'm like yeah. this is this is dope like I never for my first time like being to New York, New York was definitely like flipping back to like different movies or just like shows that like flipping back to home alone you know like just like <laughs> that was some of the first like thoughts that were just oh, coming shit. through and be able yeah your home alone too <laughs> Those were things that were definitely just flipping through my mind, kind of being there and going on like that same thing. Like you're definitely your start, like interest, like into film and photography and everything. Where did that really come from? And just being in that side of like artistic side and at a very young age. Yeah. I mean, growing up in New York City definitely gives you an opportunity to, to just sort of see and hear and feel art all around you all the time. Um, you know, even just from street performers in the subway to, you know, Thanksgiving Day Parade and all the marching band. I mean, yeah. every, and then obviously there's Broadway and, and Lincoln Center. And I was very fortunate to live uh, not too far from Lincoln Center, which, which is where the ballet and the opera are. And my parents would take me to shows um, big and small. Like I remember when Stomp, which I'm sure you've heard of, uh, was a brand new little show downtown at some tiny theater. And I went to see it and like Blue Man Group, now they're a big deal, but they, they were just this small, weird little show downtown yeah. that I went to see when I was like 10. Um, so it's just cool to live here uh, and, to, mm -hmm. and to get to see all that. Um, and when I was in fifth grade, I started doing like an after school dance uh, program, like a sort of fun kind of jazzy hip hop dance troupe. Um, and so that kind of got me into performing and, and introduced me to, to the stage. And so, you know, I, I would do like high school musical stuff. And, um, I went to like an arts camp a few summers and, and tried playing the violin. And I was sort of always interested in, in that world, but never found anything that I was good enough and passionate about enough mm -hmm. to pursue seriously and potentially like make a career out of, but I always loved the arts and performing. And when my brother went my best friend growing up and my brother both are filmmakers and so I was always around them helping them you know whether it was just driving the car for them or or setting up equipment or whatever and so I kind of grew up around filmmakers um, and then I had a really interesting opportunity when my dad um, was involved with a dance workshop one summer and invited me to kind of come out and stay at his house and watch some rehearsals and I kind of just fell in love with with ballet weirdly I mean I never thought I would be into ballet but uh, I met these dancers and I saw them dancing and it wasn't sort of the traditional ballet that I had always imagined um, and still really don't like it was like contemporary ballet which is very sexy and athletic and um, you know the music can be you know con modern contemporary music and anyway I just fell in love with it um, and so because I had all this film equipment, because my brother and I had been making bar mitzvah videos and wedding documentaries, uh, I just started filming dancers and that kind of weirdly took off and, and I started getting hired to film performances and rehearsals and making these videos. And then I started pictures and I uh, ended up sort of starting, helping start this dance company with this really cool guy named Christopher Wielden. And I guess I just got wrapped up in it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that sort of all weirdly then led to the Catfish documentary because it was some photos that I took of a dance film that my brother made that were put in a newspaper that somebody in Michigan then saw and reached out to me and that ended up being the woman who catfished me. So it's kind of a crazy, you know, twisty, turny path from dancing to filmmaking to getting catfished. I, when I well, we I watched your film. I watched Catfish last night just to get ready for this, and I oh, think nice. it's yeah. like very interesting, like watching that because it happened like that was two thousand seven. Yeah, uh, two thousand seven was released in two thousand ten, and I'm just like thinking back to what life was like in two thousand seven with social oh, media. And I think your one of your catfish is one of the craziest catfishes, like because she sent yeah. you, she randomly saw this photo. And then sent you like art or something, right? Yeah. Like a lot how, of art. Yeah. That's I think that's just the crazy way for it to start. Like that would make me think the person is real 
real for sure. Like, right, well, let's be careful. Gifts. We're going to give away any spoilers because there are probably a lot of people watching, listening right now who, who haven't watched the doc. And, uh, you know, it's, it was a long time ago. So a lot of people don't even realize that I was sort of catfished and that there was this documentary about yeah. it, which is why I'm hosting the show. Um, so if you haven't watched the, the document and you don't want to know what happens, then, you know, I guess skip, skip ahead a few minutes. But um, no, yeah, it was crazy because she, you know, this girl sends me this message on MySpace and says, hey, I love your paint, your pictures. Can I send, can I do a painting of it? And so it was just so, so innocent, you know, and, and charming. And, um, and from there, a friendship with the mom and the sister and all, you know, and this was right kind of when Facebook was really like, opening up and you didn't have to have you guys don't even maybe know this but initially in order to get on facebook you had to have an email address from a college yeah yeah um, and there were only a few colleges at the time that were allowed to so you know every few weeks a new new batch of colleges would allow their whatever um and then eventually they just sort of opened it up and anyone could make a facebook page and so all of a sudden all these people in this girl's life are getting on facebook and friending me and i'm talking to all these people and they all have different stories and you know it's like very involved and and elaborate and and just fun and distracting for me um so yeah it was it was a pretty wild experience when we finally went up there to to meet them knowing that some of what they told us wasn't totally true and then of course discovering the the reality of it was 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 quite a shock but that but but to kind of get back this is actually where i thought you were going earlier when you talked about kind of being humble um yeah but and you did you mentioned this but but that experience for me of sort of coming into a situation thinking I'm the victim um, and then immediately realizing that whatever I'm feeling and whatever the experience I think I'm having is pales in comparison to the, this other person who's on the other, other side of it was incredibly opening, eye-opening, heart-opening, sort of, you know, mind-opening. And, and fortunately in that moment, I had the awareness to sort of put my feelings if you will kind of on hold mm -hmm. and and really give this woman a, an opportunity to to sort of be seen uh, and that's i think really what has made the sh that documentary and the show a success is that so many people just want to be seen and want want to have someone look at them and, and listen to them um and 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 perhaps understand them a little bit um and that's i hope i think what we what we do really well on the show it, you know it's not about catching you know a liar in there yeah. you know red-handed it's about like helping people discover themselves and giving them a, a place to to talk about it so that continues to be a really fulfilling uh opportunity for me every episode and i look forward to it and i find new things about them and myself and and then selfishly also traveling to make the show gives me an opportunity to run in new places, which is also really fun. And like just the comp, not to give too much away from documentary, but like you like meeting her and like talking to like Angela and then like having like conversations like afterwards, you know, like staying like a little bit. I thought y'all were about to just dip, you know, like right. I I would have definitely been on. Like, I would have met the first time. You know, we were still nice and everything, but like I'm like, I'm going home, bro. Like I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool yeah. off this. You know what I mean? But uh, you like to have like that conversation to kind of like really. I feel like there was like there was a little bit of like some closure there once you guys sort of left oh, in yeah. some way and right. be able to actually like talk and like hash things out and be able to do that at 24. Like is really is really wild because a lot of a lot of people would set up this question and be all like dang i would have well i just said i would have leave but they would have said i would have went off on this person i would have like yeah and stuff but be be that calm and cool and collected at 24 years old is definitely um something like yeah that, that's wild i appreciate that i mean I, I definitely have to give credit where credit's due you know I, I was with my brother and his his business partner or best friend henry um and both of them i think are you know, very sensitive, smart guys. Yeah. And I think having them there to sort of also help guide and, and um, handle that situation definitely helped. Uh, I don't know what would have happened if I had been by myself, but, um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, 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 I really, uh, I'm so grateful that I had that experience and that it was captured on, on video because 
that experience and that, you know, humility that I showed and, and that um, uh, empathy that, that we showed her um, is, is how people were kind of introduced to me. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously it, it made an impression uh, and gave me a direction to go um, with mm-hmm. my self and my life and my career. Um, and I don't know that I would have necessarily, you know, I wouldn't have ended up where I am, obviously, if it hadn't been for that. So uh, it just goes to show that that every opportunity, even if in the moment it doesn't necessarily feel like something that might be that meaningful, can't you know what if you handle yourself in, in a way that's you know I don't know what the what the right word, is, but just you know as a good if you're a good good person. <laughs> and you do the right thing you you know it, it whether it's karma or or just sort of yeah. the energy in the universe like it paid off um mm-hmm. and it and it set me into in, in motion in a direction that i'm so grateful for that's really been an amazing you know, now 10 years of making this show so um i think about that a lot our dad tells us don't get ready be ready like don't yeah don't get ready be ready you know you never know who's watching i know well especially now i mean you know you do something on the street and then security camera catches it and who knows you know it could end up being the next viral video it's like you you always got to be right you know doing the right thing yeah i mean i could even say that about us getting you on our podcast like we're just like my relationship with Liam, with Liam, like started because like I just DM'd him one time to ask about being what it's like being a sports agent, and then we just kind of became friends in each other's at track meets, and cool. we've definitely like with like the podcast yeah, and getting getting guests and stuff. It's really just hanging out with people for a second, and next thing you know, this person knows this person, and then it's all interconnected. Yeah. It's it's. It's crazy. And that's one thing, too, when I think about like Catfish, like with Facebook back then. But now we got there's MySpace. I'm not MySpace. What am I saying? There's Instagram. (laughs) There's Twitter. There's Snapchat. There's Tinder. There's Hinge. Yeah. There's like filters. Like, did you know that getting Catfish was something like a common thing that was happening to people when it happened to when it happened to you? No, because I, you know, like even though I grew up you know, with the rise of the internet. And I remember the, the old school AOL chat rooms and like, I, I was never really big into that stuff. Um, I know like my wife, when she was 12 was, was definitely in those chat rooms lying and saying that she was 18 and, you know, living in <laughs> California, you know, like, but apparently a lot of our generation um, did grow up kind of catfishing very lightly and, and some obviously getting catfished more so. Um, but, you know, again, I was lucky. I lived in the city. I had a very full sort of real IRL life with activities. And like, I wasn't stuck behind a computer, some isolated in some small town somewhere. So I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know that, that people were kind of really living alternate lives online until it happened to me. Um, and that's when obviously I discovered that there was a whole you know, underground river or, or reservoir of people who had been sort of quietly keeping these experiences secret. And then all of a sudden my documentary came out and like drilled down into that reservoir and just started gushing out. And everyone was like, oh my God, that happened to me. And oh, I have a story for you. And I think this might be happening to me now. And like, everyone just wanted to talk about this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious too, after that, because like you said, you're definitely you grew up like through the rise of the internet and social media, most social media, like most definitely like being at the beginning of like Facebook and, and to have your start of like social media in a way, like sort of like dramatic. Well, I guess at the time, I don't know how it feels, but like, look, he just like, it's altered and changed and stained in a way of like this weird experience. Like, can I ever like trust social media again? Like did your view of like social media, like sort of like change. Obviously you're still on there. You're low key, like a running influencer with your reels and stuff doing your <laughs> <Trying>. thing. <laughs> like, 
did your view of like social media totally change after that to where you may not, it may not be negative, but like there's definitely things that you think differently now. I mean, look, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I still think the internet is great for a lot of things. Um, I don't necessarily think everybody should have an, an opinion and, and have that opinion be heard all the time. Um, well, everyone should have an opinion. I don't think everyone's opinion needs to be heard. Um, but even that could be controversial to say, I guess, I, you know, but let's just be honest. Some, some people should just keep their mouth shut um, or their fingers down. But um, I, I continue to be excited by and impressed by the internet. And though it is now sort of very intimidating and overwhelming because I constantly just go on there and see other people doing things better than me and funnier than me and faster than me. And I'm just, you know, constantly kind of thinking, what's the point? I'm not, I mean, I can't, I'm never going to be as good at the internet as this person or that person. But, but I've, I've actually, like you said, recently um, decided that I'm going to stop comparing myself to everyone else and just focus on making stuff that I like. And so I, I know I like running and I, I know I like making little, you know, short films. And, and so I've started really kind of just focusing on creating a, a, a space for myself in the running influencer athlete world, um, which is weird because it's not what my fans or followers know me yeah. as or for. So it's a, I think it's maybe a little bit of a surprise and perhaps a shock for everyone that all of a sudden now I'm posting all these running reels. But um, I think that, that it's changed me and it's really opened up a lot of uh, avenues for me and, and opportunities. And more than anything, it's just given me a tremendous amount of uh, physical and mental wellness and health. So I feel like because that's a big part of what I do on Catfish and, and a big part of my kind of message in general which is just to sort of be real and be honest and be happy and healthy like for me running is, has been a huge part of that so i'm really tr hoping to use my platform to kind of get more people thinking about and, and hopefully actually running and and moving and feeling better yeah always going for a run it's gonna be great for you one question i got for you too about catfish is every time i've watched the episodes like I watched so many of the TV shows. It's been on for so long. And I'm always like, man, like this dude is fearless going in <laughs> to these to these things. And then it wasn't until last night, that was my first time watching the actual movie. And I was like, oh, he's always been like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've never been, yeah. you've never been scared. So like, has there ever been a show you all been able to been unable to air because it got like too dicey or like where does this like where does this fear come i mean not where does fearlessness come from yeah well incredibly no we, we we've never had a show we couldn't air because of anything that like you know turned too 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 far but um i think part of my fearlessness which is a a, a nice way of saying it but you know my my parents would probably call it impulsive sort of stupidity um <laughs> it's just sort of part of my DNA. I don't know exactly how to describe it. You know, I was like an ADHD hyper kid and um, always had a hard time kind of controlling my impulses. Um, and also growing up in the city, like I was, I've always been super into, um, I don't know, the uh, modes of transportation, right? So like, I, I loved riding my bicycle around the city and I would really like super dangerous through, through traffic, weaving in and out, um, holding onto trucks. Like I was just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I always feel most comfortable and safest right on the edge of whatever activity I'm doing in terms of putting myself kind of in harm's way, but just, you know, I'm not, I'm not irresponsible. At least I don't think so. I'm sure someone would say I am, but, um, I get a rush, you know, like my, my high, the adrenaline that a rush that I seek is from sort of being in the flow, um, mm -hmm. often of traffic or even people who are running at a race, whatever it is, like navigating and kind of turning the world into a video game is kind of my, um, like sweet spot. Um, and so I think 
similarly, when it comes to confrontation or sort of strange, unusual situations, like I'm always best just moving, going, like just, just kind of putting my head down and like diving in and, and dealing with it as it comes at me. Like, I like the world coming at me. You know, I'm not like someone who, who, uh, who kind of holds back or likes to scope things out. And sometimes it doesn't work out because I go in too quick <laughs> and I, and I blow it, but sometimes it also goes really well. So I've learned, learned how to, you know, eliminate the, the bad moments and, and, and situations. And, and for the most part now, um, keep the world coming at me, but responsibly. Well, yeah, it definitely has worked out for you. 10 years of Catfish, the show, like doing doing all these amazing things. And as we get out of here and close out the podcast in like the next uh, seven, seven minutes, we also have our next stop Oregon uh, segment where this summer, bro, 2000 of the world's best track and field athletes are going to be competing at the first ever World Athletics Championships on U.S. soil. And like Whoa. in preparation and leading up to like this world event, first time in Eugene, in in the world in u.s soil like neve i want you there i, I we yeah, need where, you where, there when and where is that this is happening july J- july 15th through the 24th at hayward field in oregon eugene oregon get oh, your cool. tickets world championships oregon 22.com and first i gotta ask you though as we go through our next stop oregon segment like bro have you been to like a track meet since you've like got back into running and everything <laughs> No, no, I ha- I mean, no, actually, I, now that you mentioned, I haven't, but, but on, I think May 20th. I oh, you're I going believe. to the Ithaca at the Trials and Miles? Wait, no, I think there's a, there's like a, a celebrity mile thing here at, in the city, in New York City. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but I've, I'm, I think I'm signed up to run that mile and I have this cool guy who's going to help train me um, so I can see what, what, what I'm capable of mile wise. Nice. I think that yeah. is the trials and miles at, at Ithaca oh. Stadium. Oh, oh yeah, it, Icon Stadium, right? Yeah, Icon, Icon. Ithaca. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Icon, oh, that Icon, funny. Ithaca. That's Ithaca. Right. Cool. Yeah. So that. So yeah. I guess I'm. I'm doing that. Well, but actually, ever... go oh, ahead. It's, it's, it's funny. So since we're talking about the mile, I was watching um, Winning Time. Have you guys been watching? I love that, that show. Right. Yeah. So in the most oh, recent yeah. episode, I don't know if you're up to date or not, but I'm not going to spoil anything. Um, the episode starts with this incredible story about the first person to run the sub four minute mile. Do you guys know yeah. about this guy? Roger yeah, Bannister. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't, I didn't know about it. <laughs> I mean, uh, and I just think it was so cool that, that he, you know, back in, what was it in, uh, 40, 50, 60, yeah, 50. I don't remember. Oh, 1954, this, this 25 year old med student who was just an amateur runner, just decided he wanted to try and run a four minute mile. And up until then for thousands of years, because running has been around obviously since, you know, people were being hunted by animals. Um, no one thought it was possible. Everyone just thought, no, it can't be done too fast. Humans can't run that fast. And then this guy just decided he was going to do it. And he did. And then after that, everyone started running four minute miles because yeah. they realized, Oh, I can do that too. Anyway. So I just thought that was a really cool story. And, and, gave me sort of a new perspective on, on setting goals and, and pushing yourself to, to do, you know, you know, cause I'm obviously not going to set any records in, uh, in running, but I can certainly do, set my own records um, for myself. So I, I'm excited now having watched that last night to sort of gear up for this mile coming up. So going off of that story too, we always like to ask this as well. Like, what is someone like Joshua and I, we do the podcast, we we talk about running all the time. How do we get someone like you who's like new to running and like the marathon, you're about to go run the smile? Like, how do we get you into track and field? Because like that's a, like Roger Bannister is an incredible story, but right. a lot of people don't even know that the world championships are here in Eugene. Yeah, I mean it's a good point. I'm 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 so happy you brought it up because I probably would love to go to track and field events and and possibly also compete. My concern for myself is I know that I have like a a threshold for training um, in terms of, so Mm. I know that if I run anything close to six minute miles for training, my body starts to like disagree with me, you know, like 
I'm 37. My, I've always had a bad back. Like it's, I'm not really the right person to try and run that fast for, for a short period of time. So, you know, my fastest mile right now is like a 524, which I ran, which was the, which was when I injured myself that day, I had run a 5k, um, and done pretty well. I think I ran like a, like an 1830 or something. And then I ran a mile. And when I started running the mile, it was the fifth Avenue mile felt like this bolt of lightning in, in my back. Jeez. And I, almost stopped but i was like oh, it's just a mile just like push through and so a few strides later it kind of went away because i guess my adrenaline just like took over anyway i finished the mile i ran like a 524 and then i like limped home and spent the next three weeks on my back because i had like herniated a disc at some Ooh. point that day and it like probably in the 5k and then in the one mile i'd like just totally blown it out and like didn't run for like three months so I don't want to, I don't want to push myself too hard, but I do want to, I do want to run. I'd love to run a sub five. I think it's possible. Um, we'll see. I think so too, but more than anything. What's your fastest yeah, we, mile? My fastest mile, my fastest mile is not even that fast. 429. Aaron's fastest yeah, mile is faster fast. than mine. Aaron, what's your, 412? Wait, what's, did you run a mile in college, Aaron? Not really. I ran 348 in the 15. So I, I would say, we'll say like, what, what's 17? Like 404? oh right isn't a mile 16 yeah 16. yeah yeah right. it's, it's well, a six, little bit 1609. over 1600 oh, yeah, okay. 1609 so weird but yeah yeah I, I don't know why that metric yeah that's all weird but yeah we're gonna we're gonna need you and gene i'm manifesting you being eugene this summer and i got two more things before we get you out of here okay. two quick things first off can you tell your brother to make a nerve too uh, yeah right low key like I, nerve was fire i just found out that your brother was the director of that yesterday and i was all like dang i should have connected the dots low key because I, i've watched that like, casey neistat and i remember like casey neistat doing a vlog then he ended up being like in the movie and stuff oh, yeah, i was like yeah, oh yeah. you feel me and I, I knew that you guys were like friends but i was like dang he should make a nerve too bros you should can you relay that message for me i will sure <laughs> and then also we always ask this question when we have somebody wait, on one the more podcast wait. Oh, you have you having something something? Nice I have there. one question because I know you're All friends right. with Alexi Papas. Yeah. How do you think she would be as a catfish guest? Can we get her like as a as your oh, co-host okay. for an episode? <laughs> That'd be <laughs> that would that would be yeah. hilarious. She's a lot of fun. That would be fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would love it. I mean, I I uh, she's actually the one. You know, that's so funny the way you talk about connections and you never know. Like last year at the Mar New York City Marathon before the race started, she was warming up with like the sort of pro women athletes. And I just saw her, she was dressed up and had crazy fun makeup and, and I just said hello. And we started chatting and she invited me to meet up at her like I think party afterwards. And so I did. And then she introduced me to Liam. Like it's just mm -hmm. been, it's amazing. You know, when you're, when you just put out good energy and you, you open yourself up to new people and new opportunities, like stuff, stuff happens. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Then last question before we get out of here. We always ask this question because sometimes we don't know who to get on the podcast. So I need to ask you, who would be a good guest to come on to the Two Black Runners podcast? You definitely have, um, you're a different guest than anybody else, but who do you think would fit the mold? I don't know. Sure. I mean, the first person that came to mind actually earlier was my coach. Um, he's the he's the head coach for New York Roadrunners, um, former Olympian, and a, just an awesome dude. His name is Roberto Mangi. Do you guys know who he is? No. Or Mangi? No. I, can't, I can't remember how he says it. But uh, he's like, you know, he's my guy. He's my he's my my running coach, friends, um, and just a great guy. So I would I would start there. <laughs> I like that. That that'd be a, another that'd be a different type of person than we've had before too. We've talked to Ted Metellus from um, before, so. Anything with New York around that time is always cool. Yeah, New yeah. York. Yeah, so maybe check him out. No, we appreciate you though, Need, for coming on the podcast. You definitely didn't have to fit this into your busy schedule, but hey, we're glad you're here. We're glad to have the conversation. And hey, we're hyped to see you at the World Championships this summer. I'm gonna keep on manifesting that. I think that's gonna happen. That's gonna, you're gonna be at Eugene, Hayward Field. Yeah, we all gonna be it. watching. Let's, let's, let's go to, I'll, I'll be there, man. Break the world record. I'll be there.
But thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See y'all next week on Two Black Runners Podcast. Let's get it. All right, get out there and run. <laughs>